Harbor Me by Jacqueline Woodson. Chapter One. We think they took my poppy. It's over now, or maybe it isn't. Maybe even as I sit on my bed in the dying light of the afternoon, it's beginning again. Maybe Miss Laverne is looking over the new class list, her finger moving down the row of names. Maybe her, she is thinking, and him, and her. But it won't be the same. It won't ever be the six of us together again. You, we think they took my poppy. My uncle is a musician and a storyteller. He says the hardest part of telling a story is finding the beginning. I pulled the voice recorder from my closet and have it sitting in the middle of my bed now. When I press play, Esteban's voice fills my room. It is scratchy and far away sounding, but still, Esteban is here again, and all of us are sitting in our small circle in a place we call the art room. Nobody knows where he's at. Outside, a blue jay perches on the edge of a branch. Alanthus tree, tree of heaven, Miss Laverne taught us that. It's the same tree the girl in A Tree Grows in Brooklyn saw from her fire escape. The thing about that tree is that they could grow anywhere and keep growing. And that was the metaphor, that even when things got really hard for everyone in that story, even when the dad died and the mom had to scrub more and more floors to make money, even when the kids didn't have anything to eat for days and the apartment was freezing, the tree kept growing. The main character, her name was Francine, she was like that tree. Miss Laverne said that all of us, Esteban, Tiago, Holly, Amari, Ashton, and me, were like that tree too. My uncle is moving out tomorrow. He's really the only parent I've ever known. He says, this is the beginning. He says, now you'll have two houses to go to. He says, you're 12 now, Haley. You're ready. But I'm not ready. This afternoon, I miss everything. I miss my uncle, even though he's upstairs packing. I miss the art room. I miss Holly and Amari arguing and Ashton pushing his own hair away from his forehead. This afternoon, I miss Tiago's dreams of the sea and Esteban's poems and all the stories we finally trusted each other enough to tell. I miss the beginning of our story together and the deep middle of it. Once there were six of us. Once we circled around each other and listened. Or maybe that matters. what matters most is that we were heard. Downstairs, my father's playing the piano. Soft, sad notes floating up from the living room. The piano's old, found on the street a few blocks away the day my father moved back home. My father, uncle, and three other men lifted it up the stairs, then had to remove the door to get it inside. It was an upright, scratched wood and yellowing keys. My father took a whole day tuning it, and now the notes move through the house, dipping down at the end like tears, rising up like prayer. Upstairs, I can hear my uncle moving from dresser to bed and back again, and I know he is neatly folding shirts and sweaters into his suitcase. Most of his stuff is already downstairs. Boxes, line, the hall and the front door. His favorite chair is draped with a blanket. His guitars are stacked in their cases beside it. Tomorrow, he will move to Manhattan and start his new life. 
I'll be the bachelor. I was always meant to be, he said. Then, seeing the look on my face, I failed at hiding, he added. And I'll be back every single Sunday to spend time with my most favorite person in the world. I don't remember a life without my uncle in it. In two weeks, I'll begin seventh grade. My best friend, Holly, will be there. But there will be holes where Ashton, Amari, Tiago, Esteban once were. We think they took my poppy. I heard the first words of Esteban's story over and over as my father's song lifts up to my room, as my uncle packs above me, as the blue jay perches in the Alanthus tree, as the world keeps on spinning. Chapter two. The first week of September, the rain wouldn't stop. Rivers ran down through the curbs, and at the corner near our school, cars had stalled in the middle of the huge pools of rainwater. Even though it was still warm outside, our classroom felt damp and a little bit cold. Some of the kids were playing with those spinner things. One boy, whose name I forget, had his head down on his desk. I remember his dark curls, the way they fell over his arm. For some reason, those curls sprawling over his arm and down onto the scratched up desk made me sadder than anything. There were eight of us. Our small class had come together because the school wanted to try something new. Could they put eight kids together in a room with one teacher and make something amazing? Eight special kids? Even though they didn't say it, we all knew there was something different about us. We had all been in the big classrooms before, and our learning felt like a race we were losing while the other kids sped ahead. We made believe that we didn't care that we learned differently, but we knew we did, and the school knew it. The school knew we got laughed at and teased in the big yard, and that some days we faked stomach aches and sore thirds to stay home. It was only September, so no one knew if this experiment would work. But our teacher, Miss Laverne, was tall and soft-spoken and patient. We loved her immediately. And the school itself had huge windows and bright colored walls. My uncle said it was one of the best schools in the city. It had been there with Holly, when Holly, with Holly since first grade. So I didn't really have any other schools to compare it to. But if nice teachers and rooms filled with lots of windows made something the best, then I guess it was true. By the end of that rainy week, the boys with the curls had moved away. The boy with the curls had moved away. And another girl's mom had come in and fussed about her daughter being smarter than those children, while Miss Laverne shushed her and guided her and her daughter gently out of the room. The girl looked like she wanted to sink into the floor and disappear. We never saw her again. But sometimes I wonder what it would have been like if she had gotten a chance to be a part of the art room. If she'd gotten to hear what we heard, see what we saw. After she and the curly-haired boy left, only Miss Laverne and the six of us remained. An hour after class started on that Friday, Esteban came in, his head down, his hair slicked wet against his forehead, his Yankees cap, cap dripping with rain. He walked straight to his seat without looking at the rest of us. I watched him sink into his seat so sadly and heavily, it felt like the whole room shivered. His jacket was way too big for him, the shoulders hanging down his arms, the sleeves falling over his hands. I didn't know Esteban yet. I didn't know anyone but Holly, really, but I wanted to go over to him and hug him hard. I didn't care how dripping wet he was. No one should have to look that sad. 
Do you have a late pass for me? Esteban, Miss Laverne asked. She was standing at the front of the room, her arms stretched out toward the smart board. I didn't remember what was on it, maybe a globe. Our tiny group that year was a fifth, sixth grade class. This too was a school experiment. Is everything okay? Miss Laverne's dark face was crossed with worry. Esteban shook his head. I don't have a pass, he said, his voice breaking. We think they took my poppy. Nobody knows where he's at. He put his head down on his desk. His face turned toward the window. Miss Laverne went over to Esteban's desk and went toward him, her hand, his, her hand on his back. They spoke softly to each other. Maybe they spoke for five minutes. Maybe it was an hour. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. So much can change in a minute, an hour, a year. Chapter three. Miss Laverne talked to Esteban about his father that morning. And I thought about mine. I thought about handcuffs. I thought about fathers being taken away. And I thought about uncles coming to rescue and mothers gone. The memory is mostly shadows now. My father's pale hands hanging from silver handcuffs. The cops pushing his head down into the police car. My uncle coming to me and lifting me up in his arms. I was three years old. When my uncle first came to live with me, I was afraid. It was this vague fear around the edges of myself. Whenever I got real quiet in class, Miss Laverne knew why. As I watched Esteban that morning, I felt it. The fear coming around the corner, finding me, finding both of us. I stared over at him. I wanted to give Esteban the same sign, my pinky pointing toward him, while my thumb pointed toward me. I wanted to say, I know that thing, Esteban. I've looked out the window the same way. Miss Laverne turned from Esteban and told us to read quietly to ourselves. We took our books from our bags and opened them, but I didn't know if any of us read a single word. The whole world felt wide open suddenly, like it wanted to swallow us. I heard him tell Miss Lorraine, Laverne, I'm scared. I'm so, so scared. When the lunch bell rang, Esteban stayed behind. I wanted to touch his shoulder as I walked out and say, it won't always feel like the first day. It won't always feel this bad, but I didn't. I let the words hang in my throat until Holly grabbed my hand and pulled me down the hall with her. Behind us, I heard Amari say, E, what's going on? Talk to me, bro. Chapter four. If there's one thing I do remember, as clear as if it happened an hour ago, it's the afternoon that Miss Laverne said to us, put down your pencils and come with me. It was the end of September, and we had been taking a spelling test. Esteban had been absent for, th for days, and when he finally returned, Miss Laverne asked him if he was up to doing some work, and he nodded. It helps me forget a little while, he said. Forget what? Amari asked. That nobody knows where they took him. And now we're packing up everything, Esteban said. Because if they took him, maybe they're going to take us too. I turned back to my test. I didn't want to think about fathers. Mine had been in prison for eight years by then. In the last letter we'd gotten, he said he wasn't sure what would happen with his parole. If he got it, he didn't know exactly when he'd be coming home. I remember zero about living with him. Every good thing that happened 
had happened with my uncle. I couldn't imagine a different life. Didn't want to imagine it. Not for me, not for anyone. I was stuck on the word holiday. Did it have one L or two? My spelling had always been bad. But in Miss Laverne's class, it didn't matter so much because we were all at different levels in one thing or another. The words you miss just tell me what you don't know yet, Miss Laverne always said. It says nothing about who you are. For some reason, that made me feel better. I was 11 years old. What 11-year-old didn't know how to spell holiday? Put down your pencils and come with me. The six of us stood up. Our school uniforms were white shirts and dark blue pants or skirts. We could wear any jackets, shoes, or tights we wanted. I had worn blue and white striped tights that day. Holly's tights had red stars on them. When we stood next to each other in the schoolyard that morning, our stars and stripes echoed the flag waving from the pool above us. We had spent the minutes before the bell rang, dancing around it while Holly sang the old song about having a hammer. I'd hammer out danger. I'd hammer out a warning. We stood next to our desks and waited for Miss Laverne to tell us what to do next. Amari pulled his hoodie over his head, then quickly pulled it off again, the way he did sometimes when he was nervous. Amari was beautiful. His skin was so dark, you could almost see the color blue running underneath it. His eyes were dark, too. Dark like there was smoke behind the pupils. Dark and serious and infinite. In that fifth, sixth grade class, I didn't know how to say any of this. I wanted only to look at him and look at him. Take a picture, it lasts longer, Amari said to me in such a cranky way, it almost brought me to tears. Ashton smirked, then pushed his hair away from his forehead and held his hand there. He doesn't want a picture of you, Holly said. Bad enough we have to look at you five days a week. She had left her desk and was heading over to the classroom library. Holly, back to your desk, Ms. Laverne said. I want you all to take your books. You won't be coming back here today. We all gathered our stuff and followed her into the hallway. Ms. Laverne took out her phone and said, Smile, people. In the photo, Holly and I have our fingers linked together. Our tights look crazier than anything. Amari has his hood halfway on and halfway off. And Tiago, Esteban, and Ashton are all looking away from the camera. The picture is taped to my refrigerator now. We all look so young in it, our cheeks puffing out like baby fat, our uniform shirts untucked, and Tiago's sneakers untied. We walk down the hall behind Miss Laverne, her heels softly clicking. I thought about how maybe one day I'd grow up to wear black shoes with small heels that clicked when I walked down the hall and have students following behind me who were a little bit in love with me. Two small kids came running down the hall, but when they saw Miss Laverne, they stopped and started walking slowly. I almost laughed. Esteban pulled his knapsack onto his shoulder and held it with both hands. You okay, bro? Amari put his hand on Esteban's arm. Nah, Esteban said. Not really. Amari moved his arm over Esteban's shoulder and kept it there.